BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. This is Tom and Bach coming at you live from Koppel Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Here are your hosts, Tom Stevens. You know, we failed, but uh, I thought it was a great effort. I thought that the plan was laid out uh, perfectly. Jake Bakoven. Uh, I'm not sure I get my point across um, properly. I'm sure I don't do a good job of explaining what I mean. Tom and Buck starts now. Welcome in hour number three. It is... Tom and Bach, Tom Stevens, Jake Bachoven. How's it going over there? Oh, I'm doing pretty well. It's a good day. Veterans Day. Happy Veterans Day to everybody out there. Right. And we should give away the prize today from Beatrice Bakery. Uh, I'm going to give it to Yoga Man. Uh, he has nominated Sergeant Philip. Uh, Phillips. Uh, he continues his son's legacy and is a shining example of what a Marine vet and a man of God should be. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, Sergeant Phillips Very cool. uh, wins today from Beatrice Bakery, home of Grandma's Fruitcake since 1964, full menu, which includes artesian cakes. They've got liqueur cakes, breakfast breads, and coffee cakes. Uh, it's perfect for any holiday gathering, birthdays, or any of life's uh, everyday occasions. You can find them at BeatriceBakery.com. Uh, they have wonderful cakes. We've... Uh, We've tried some of them, but they've got so many. I somebody was saying they're they buy more alcohol for their cakes than like any yeah, bakery I heard around. That too. Um, they're an impressive operation. DP had a chance to visit. Uh, this is the real deal. They're really good at what they do. So thank you to Beatrice Bakery. Um, let's see. We're going to do Ask Bach right uh, yeah. coming up in just a few minutes. But I I did want to do this first. Because uh, Tom Chattel mentioned this in the Omaha World Herald, actually wrote an article that I thought was really well written, comparing the end of the Frank Solage era uh, when he fired George Darlington as a defensive backs coach, uh, and Craig Bull was one of the big ones as well. And you mentioned he was on the list of one of the Nebraska's better defenses over the yeah. last twenty years. Uh, but he was fired, uh, and then Milt Teneper, who was the offensive line coach at that time, retired. And Dan Young, his offensive line assistant, also retired. And then Frank hired Barney, Barney Cotton as uh, the offensive coordinator. He had Marvin Sanders, the defensive back coach. Uh, Tim Albin, uh, was he quarterback coach? or he, I don't remember what he did. I think Scott Downing coached the wide receivers, and then you had Jimmy Williams as well. And they promoted Turner Gill uh, at that same time. 
Um, and later, of course, the big hire was Bo Pelini. That's a lot more coaches than what we're talking about with Frost with four. And it worked out really well in that particular case. In fact, mostly talking about offensive side of the ball, though, at that particular time, but you added Marvin Sanders to the defense. You added a new – no, I said more on the defensive side with Bo Pelini. Oh, yeah. Uh, that that was a big overhaul. Well, two of the two of the hires were future college coaches. I mean, that's a pretty right. big, pretty pretty big search. But that's there. a lot of guys to hire. That's five dudes uh, to replace. Some of them on offense, some of them on defense. And Nebraska's defense was one of the best defenses uh, in the country. That yeah, year. Uh, their offense was. Eh, eh. <laughs> it was okay. It was, right. it was okay. It wasn't great. Um, but do you see any similarities to what? Scott Frost is going to have to do with that era. Well, it is the closest thing, and and, and certainly because it, because it was successful, it, like it was it was successful certainly to get Bo Pelini and change the course of Nebraska history from there. There, of course, but um, it it it's reminiscent because it it didn't it was successful, but it didn't work. Right, it wasn't enough to keep Frank Solich from getting getting fired no. and so then they let go like i said two future coaches two future in you know one of them at nebraska but tim alvin uh, head coach no. at ohio now so two future fbs coaches because of that that's where i think no. uh it, it there should be more of a diligent job if you're if you're coaching a team if you're firing the the head guy no. you don't always have to get rid of all the assistants it just no. feels like that's the way it is and no. the, you know coaches want to start anew and bring in their own guys and i get that but uh i i i kind of think it would be not the worst idea yeah. if if Shenander has another good year and Frost, you know, whatever the coaching changes he makes on offense don't work and they don't get to a bowl game next year and Shenander's defense is just as good as this, you know, next year as it is yeah. this year, which won't be easy, that you might consider keeping him. And I know yeah. that didn't necessarily work with Sean yeah. Watson, which was years later in 2008 where they kept their their quarterback yeah. or their offensive coordinator who seemed to be working under Callahan. Um, and then they fired him after 2009, where you know yeah. that offense was pretty bad. Um, but you know, I, I just think that that should be more of a more of a thought because Nebraska let go of Bo Pelini and Tim Alvin. There it would have been nice to, to hold those guys right. on for a little while yeah. longer throughout the Callahan era. It was a good year. I mean, if if Scott Frost goes nine and three, he's definitely keeping his job. But oh, yeah. Frank did it in part because. Uh, Tom Osborne's coaches, which he was handed, were getting older in part, and they weren't having success as well. And he didn't have a good relationship with his athletic director, Steve Peterson, at all. That's uh, uh, the difference uh, here is because it seems, at at least watching a little bit from afar, um, that Trev Alberts and Scott uh, uh, Scott have a pretty good relationship. Like, they're on the same page. You, You had the coach give up a lot of money there. To, to make this thing happen, and now he's, you know, he's going to go out and hire new coaches, similar to what Frank had to go with. Uh, but the expectations, obviously, looking back, were pretty high for Frank uh, because you had won so many games and won three national titles with Tom Osborne that the pressure just apparently too much. Uh, I mean, who would have been able to put up with uh, that type of pressure? But it does, it does uh, have a lot of parallels to what's going on now with what happened then, uh, and it makes you think replacing five coaches then, four coaches now, it's not going to be easy. It's not going it, to – but I guess depending on what the expectations are. Yeah, and that's and that's an interesting question in of its yeah. own because, you know, I, I think that the expectations might be the eight or nine wins or whatever because the S&P ranking for Nebraska 
Uh, kind of gives you an idea that this team should be a six or seven win team this year, so you want to get better next year. But I don't think that they would. I don't know if you would call a six and six season a disappointment again next year no. because that you know that's at least improvement and getting to a bowl and all that, which they haven't done under uh, under Frost yet. So no. it's going to be interesting to see how that happens. I was also interested to hear that Frost and I mean you mentioned the the relationship. Mm-hmm between Frost and Trev Alberts, I was interested to hear that, that that's a rather new thing. They didn't, you know, they both yeah. played in the 90s, but they never really crossed paths. They didn't. And uh, so they, even before he was hired as athletic director, they hadn't really crossed no. paths. So that's kind of a new relationship that they're building. But I, I love the fact, I, I just loved everything that Trev Alberts has done as an athletic yeah. director so far. The red carpet experience is, is yeah. one of my favorite things that he's done. Um, but just the way that he goes about his press conferences relates to Nebraska fans and then, you know, the weekly conversations with Scott Frost and trying to be somewhat of a, a mentor, it seems like, to, to Scott Frost and bringing him along. And then regardless of what you think about uh, the decision to keep Frost around, you know, you might be kind of mad about that. I like the fact that he went in there and got that buyout cut significantly, mm-hmm. which was a lot bigger. Some people focus on, okay, he's making a million less a year. Mm-hmm. That's not near as big as deal as the, the buyout. buyout. Yeah. yeah, that was a good business deal Yeah, conducted uh, by Trev, but he couldn't have done it. Unless Scott Frost agreed to it. So yeah. you give uh, Frost some credit uh, betting on himself. I think they're both kind of, you know, now have some skin in the game. I think that's how Trev phrased it. At the end of the column with Chattel, he talks about uh, maybe, you know, Frank went through this and now Frost is going through the same thing. Both legends played at Nebraska, coached at Nebraska, had high expectations. Uh, maybe there's something that Frank, being a fired coach, not could, fired, could, retired. Well, well, he he was fired. Oh, I see what you're fired saying. Yeah, yeah, he, was yeah, Nebraska. Nebraska, he was fired yeah. by Nebraska. Steve Peterson, uh, before he moved on to Ohio. But maybe he, you know, can relate to uh, what Scott is going through. Bring him back as a mentor. Uh, I, I think that's a not a bad idea. Yeah, of course. We saw that under the the Riley administration. A lot of offensive analysts and kind of just kind of older uh, guys that have been through it. And you know, you'd like to see that at Nebraska. Yeah. I don't know if Frank is necessarily maybe wants to retire so he can sit at home. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe yeah. he's, maybe he's done with this. But yeah. uh, it, it would be interesting and intriguing to to bring him back because I, I think that that's because when you're talking about the, the Scott Frost going into the CEO role. It'd be great to have some sort of mentor that's been in that CEO role. Yeah. And that's kind of what Frank, like you said, went through in 2003, where it was the same idea of, okay, giving up play calling and moving into more of the yeah. CEO role. And I actually thought that's what Tom Osborne would provide, and maybe it just hasn't happened that way. I mean, yeah. again, Tom might want to you know, sit in the chair as well, although uh, I have no idea what these guys uh, want to do. But it would be nice for Frost to rely on that type of information if it's there, and Frank could ser- share some nuggets of advice or maybe even be a consultant or Tom Osborne for that matter. I, I'd be all in for that. I would, how, how about uh, step beyond that? How about offensive coordinator? How, how excited <laughs> would you be if Trev Albert just said, yeah, I don't know if this is going to work, but since we're already uh, down in the dumps, let's just have the ultimate Husker year and bring Tom Osborne and Frank Soldier, our co-offensive coordinators and uh, for one year, and then and then we'll see what happens after. No, that. I mean, hell, if it works, hell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is time for Ask Bach. Please hit the music. Oh yeah, I, I do dig this music. Uh, it's Ask Bach music, and we ask him a bunch of college football questions. He answers them to the delight of everyone. Uh, if Alabama loses two games this year, Bach. Will they still make the college football playoff in your mind? I don't think so. Uh, if, if, 
and part of that problem is is kind of what happens around them, right? If Texas A&M has two losses, you have to go with the head-to-head there, um, I would think. So Texas A&M would get over them. Um, I, I, I just think that, that, that Alabama, and, and, and Ed Orgeron said this this past week after barely losing to them. He said, that's not the Alabama team we've seen in the past. Um, and, Al, and Ed Orgeron doesn't have anything to gain or lose by saying that sort of thing. Of course, he's fired at the end of the um, season at LSU. So I'm interested to see, uh, of course, the, the, the playoff seems to love them they're at number two now but i think they do they do these rankings sometimes in a way to protect themselves knowing that it'll play out that way right they they know eventually they're it's going to decide what's going to happen i predict more than likely alabama will be a top five or six team by the end of the season but if you have two losses i just don't see any way they could get in um it'll be interesting though if it is alabama two loss cincinnati undefeated right Mm. at that that line because if they make that decision woo-wee are we going to have some debates and 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 it'll be interesting i but again it goes back to what do you want for your playoff do you want the team that's most deserving to get in the the resume or do you want the the playoff like the the whole idea of having an eight team or or 12 team playoff or whatever they're moving forward i well reason i don't like it is because then alabama will get in every year and alabama might win every year that takes away from the, the excitingness of the regular season yeah. when Alabama gets knocked off and you go, hey, they might be the best team, but they're not winning this year. That's awesome. But if you have 12 teams in and that year that Cincinnati knocks off Alabama, it's the best thing ever. Uh, and maybe that does happen. At least there's hope that could happen if you have a 12-team playoff. I understand what you're saying, but Alabama's getting in every year as it is. So what does it matter? Well, one loss Alabama will. Two loss Alabama, I don't I think, think they will. will. They they might. Uh, I, why <laughs> would they leave them at number two? They're setting it up so they can lose two and still be in. That's my conspiracy theory. Um, if Alabama does beat Georgia, that means Cincinnati is is in or out. I should say. Do you agree with that? Uh, I mean that's two SEC spots. You would have to think that between the Big Ten. The Pac-12 in Oregon in Oklahoma. You know, these things usually play themselves out. But, yeah, I mean, if any conference gets two playoff spots, I think that's going to freeze Cincinnati out. And I think Alabama, I mean, SEC is probably the only team, you know, only conference in the running there. There's not much respect for Oklahoma State. Baylor seems to be kind of out of it now. Uh, The Michigan-Michigan State thing could still play out to where you'd have one loss there. But, no, I mean, ultimately, I think if the SEC gets two, Cincinnati's left out. I think if – yeah, I think not only that, there are several scenarios scenarios that uh, Cincinnati has to hope for. They have to hope that Oklahoma doesn't go undefeated or that Oregon doesn't go undefeated. I think either of those two teams could knock them oh, out yeah. Oh, yeah, as they well. Win. They need a lot of things to happen around them. If Michigan goes undefeated – they might be in trouble. From here on out. Uh, or Michigan State goes undefeated from here on out. But I think you're only getting one team from the Big Ten because all those teams play each other. Um, uh, and you're only, only obviously only getting one team from the Pac-12. And I just, you know, the winner between Oklahoma State Oklahoma would, would probably get in. I mean, you could have it to where Oklahoma State beats Oklahoma. I know. And you have two one-loss <laughs> Big 12 teams. But then they'd face each other in the Big 12 championship. So they would work each other out. So... Yeah, I, I think the SEC is the only team that can get two teams in if Alabama beats Georgia. Give me your four teams right now. If I had to pick today. Yeah, you had to pick right now. You're on the committee. Your four teams in the playoff. I would probably go Georgia, Oregon, Ohio State, and I'd put Cincinnati in. No Alabama? No, I wouldn't put Alabama in. 
<laughs> I'm not. I'm. They lost to Texas A&M. That's a good loss. Ohio State. I mean, Oregon. Wow. Ohio, Ohio State's loss is to Oregon, another team I'm putting in. You know, I might not put Oregon in. Actually, I'd probably take that back. I'd probably put Alabama in yeah, over Oregon. See. Yeah, it had me excited, yeah. and then you put Alabama. Well, Oregon lost. I, I, but I put more. I put more into quality of loss than the the playoff uh, committee does. That UCLA loss to me to Oregon or not UCLA. That'd be great if it was UCLA. It was Stanford. Yeah. Stanford's terrible. If you lose to Stanford, and that's your singular loss compared to the other teams, I know they got the best head-to-head win, but that's a bad loss. Best player in college football, Bach, is who? The best player. Might be Caleb Williams, but I don't think that he is going to win the Heisman like you're hopefully is because he just doesn't have enough uh, of games to do it. Uh, Another one could be Kenneth Walker. I think Kenneth Walker might win the Heisman. Uh, He leads the nation in in rushing right now. I know Nebraska shut him down in the second half, but he's been nails every other game he's played. Caleb Williams will be in uh, the Heisman ceremony in New York. True or false? I do think... I think there's a possibility there. Yeah. That's that's hard if you if you mm-hmm. if you hold me to the fire yeah. right now because they do have those games left against Oklahoma State and Baylor. He's done it against yeah. uh, inferior competition. He didn't have a point. His offense didn't have a point against Kansas in the first half a couple yeah. weeks ago. So I don't have too much faith in it. But as far as right now, you look at the Heisman odds. He's right up there with Kenneth Walker and C.J. Stroud and, and Bryce Young. Uh, so I think that as if they did it today, he'd probably be invited. Hey, what he did in that Kansas game, though, Bach, was incredible. It was. 40-yard run. Uh, he takes the ball away from his own running back to get a first down, which was incredible. I agree. His team's not great, but that guy is great. Oh, yeah. That guy is really, really good. Uh, and I think his team is getting better because he's so good. Um, any other questions I want to ask you? Ohio State versus Michigan, November 27th. Who you got in that one? Uh, You have to lean toward Ohio State. (laughs) I want to go back and look how much it is because Ohio State and Michigan, that series is so lopsided now. It it doesn't feel like it. It feels like every year that's the big game. And, you know, I I, I don't know. But but even recently, of course, there was the years that we thought we were going to get Meyer and Harbaugh. And that was going to be great. But it's been like 14 years. I cannot, in my right mind, pick Michigan to win a game when they just can never do it against Ohio State. Yeah, yeah I, I wouldn't either uh, until they prove it. Um, although I, I don't, I think the matchup might favor a really physical Michigan team this year. Uh, but there is some disconnect when. Harbaugh takes on Ohio State. I mean, just that, that, that team it just has his number. So the stat is 15 out of 16. That's how many Ohio State's won against Michigan. Michigan did win in 2011. So it's not as bad as I made it sound. They've only lost eight in a row. <laughs> that's pretty bad, too. Uh, all right. That's uh, this week's edition of Ask Bach. It's fun. Uh, we'll ask Steve Sipple a bunch of questions as well regarding Nebraska football. And we'll do it coming up next. Download our app by searching 93.7 a ticket in your app store to stay in touch and listen all day long wherever you are. This is Tom and Bach.